the heart of each of us is the desire to explore, to venture out, to leave behind the ordinary and find something new. New places, new paths, new challenges. We look for adventure and for a tomorrow that asks more of us than today did. We want to hear the wind in the trees. We want to look out across the expanses. We want to take in the beauty around us and find the thrill the average person never does. So we set out to find a better way in our relationships, in our pursuits, and in our faith. Life Trails, take the next step. Here in September, we have been talking about this idea of influence, and I think a great example of influence is our educators, and we appreciate the role that they play, whether it's a school superintendent or a school principal or a teacher, or as you mentioned, somebody who's working as an assistant or, or just somewhere in, in the school community. But influence is not just reserved for people who are in that world. Now, most of us could think back to the, the teacher, maybe. Mrs. whatever in fourth grade, and uh, I'm trying to think who my fourth grade teacher was. I think it was Mrs. Knost. How about that? Pretty good. Okay, that's all I remember right there, but I, but I at least have that much. But we look at teachers and say, yes, they're the influencers in society, but I would just want to say this morning, yes, they are, and I appreciate everything that they do, but they are not the only ones, and it's not just the parents either. Sometimes it's the workers, and sometimes it's the neighbors, and sometimes it's the friend, and sometimes it's the kids that you play sports with, and sometimes it's, it's the coach. And, some, and all across our communities, we have people in the realm of influencer or who could be in the realm of influencer if they wanted to be. And last week we talked about what Jesus said about his followers. He said, hey, if you want to be my followers, you're just going to be an influencer. He said this, you are the salt of the earth. Not you can be, but you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. It's not an option. It's just what he puts out there and says, this is what you are. The question is, are you going to be good at it? Are you going to be a good influencer and a good salt, good light? Are you going to be a good example? Samantha mentioned that, being a good example. But it says it goes a step further where we need to take that example and we need to create contact with that too. And that lands at the level of good deeds. And that's what Jesus said. Hey, if you want to be a light, let them see your good deeds. And so he gives us this strategy and it was very countercultural to his day and it's countercultural to our day too. Because in our day, we have a lot of people in our world who think influence is about having your own way and having enough power to enforce your will. And so you, you have your position or you have your, your rule book or you have all these things and I'm going to make this happen because I have the power. And even if we don't have official power, we have other power plays that we use, whether it's manipulation or whether it's things like ridicule and shame. But I'm going to overwhelm you into doing what I want you to do. Sometimes we're like, no, 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 we reject this. But we, we go to what I would call persuasion, which sounds good on the surface. But a lot of times persuasion is just me arguing with you. And so I stake my position and you stake your position and we, we, we hammer it out on social media and we put bumper stickers on our cars and flags in our yards. And has anybody noticed 
that nobody's ever switching sides because it just doesn't work. And influence doesn't work from power. It doesn't work from persuasion. Jesus says it works from being the person that you should be and by caring about other people and by making a difference that way. In fact, we used this phrase last week and I think it's so important. We don't run people over, we win people over. We don't run people over, we win people over. Well, I want to look at a story this morning of an example of somebody who won somebody over. It shows up in Acts chapter 3. I want to invite you to turn with me there. And we're going to be pretty quick this morning as we work through a story. This is about the Apostle Peter. And the church has just gotten started. And the church goes back, and there's churches all over our society, but it goes back 2,000 years ago. And one thing that all churches have in common is the fact that they're centered on Christ. So before the time of Christ, there was no such thing as a church. There were temples, there were places of worship. But what makes a church a church is the fact that, that Jesus Christ is the center and the focal point of that church. Well, the church, Jesus had come to earth. He had been, we, you know, Christmas, Easter, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, all of these things. And Jesus was now gone and his disciples were left to carry out the influence that he started. And so the church has just gotten started. Peter is kind of one of the key players in that church. And we see this story about him. And let me read it here in Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. It says this. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Because this is what they did. And they were into their faith and they were into their relationship with God. So they would go to the temple to pray. And it just says it one day because it's like every other day that happened in their lives. Now, verse number 2. A man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And this is a great plan, isn't it? If you're crippled and you have to beg, if they can put you in front of the temple, that should be a better place to collect your money. Because some people are going in, they're going to give their offerings, so they're already, they're already focused on pulling out their wallets. And so they see you early, you know, they might give you something. And, you know, some of if people are going into worship and they're feeling kind of bad about how the last week went, well, maybe we can just, you know, pull out the wallet and we can pay off a little bit of that before we go in. And so this is a very strategic place where this guy is lying here and begging. And it says in verse number three, when Peter and John were about to enter, the man asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And this is where I wish we could slow this story down. Because as you read it here in the text, it's just boom, 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 boom. But if you could just picture this scene, this guy's lying here begging. He's probably just holding up this cup and, and pretty downtrodden in society. And nobody pays him a whole lot of attention. But maybe a few people pull out a few coins and toss something in there. And that's just kind of how he is there. And Peter and John are walking by, and he, you know, like, you know, begs for money there. And Peter stops and says, look at us. Well, I don't, probably nobody ever talked to this guy, let alone to say, look at us. And so this guy is, turns around and is like, yeah? And it says he was expecting to get something from them. And maybe he's like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to get, you know, instead of a few coins, we're going to get a few bucks here. And he's feeling good about that. And then Peter comes out with this next statement. Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have. Like, what a disappointment there. Like, <laughs> this is my big chance. And he's like, nah, I don't got anything. And then he goes on and says this, but what I do have, I give you. 
Now, I wish that we could just put a pause in there for, for this guy's story and say, oh, I wonder what that is. Because I get, my, my guess would be, if, even if he came up with all these different things that Peter might give him, he would have no idea what he's about to get. And this is what Peter says. He said, I'll give you what I've got. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I promise you that guy did not see that one coming. Like, had anybody ever walked in there, seen him begging before, and said, hey, why don't you get up? And not only Peter does he say, get up, he, he leans over, and he says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man, the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, Everybody else has seen him there. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I'm getting a ton of reverb up here. Are you guys getting that out there or is it just me? So whatever we got there, we can try to cut that down. So what does this story teach us about becoming better influencers? I think there's two key things, and we've got a little bit of subpoints underneath each of these things. But here's the first thing. If you're going to be an influencer, if you're going to have more influence in the world, you have to expand your territory. Now, if you're in sales, you understand this. If, if, you know, if, if you've got a territory and you've kind of worked the whole thing and you want to get more sales, one of the things you can do is to expand that territory because you have more potential. And that's true for all of us. We have this territory of potential, the people that we reach around us. But if we're going to have influence, we can start to expand that. And we don't have to expand that quite as far as what you might think because we have people in our lives and in our world already that are just waiting for somebody to pay attention to them like Peter did. So expanding your territory, here's what we mean by this. We need to have a daily awareness of the needs of the people around us. It's interesting in this story that Peter walked and John walked to this temple and said one day, and you get the, the idea that it's every day that they went and prayed at three o'clock in the afternoon. And you also get the hint from this story that every day that this guy was set out here to beg. But there's this one day that Peter and John are walking to the temple and it's like the first time Peter's like, oh, there's a guy there. And he's crippled. Huh. And I wonder how many times he had walked past that guy before it kind of dawned on him. But we do the same thing. Every day we walk past people who have needs in our lives, whether they're students, whether they're teachers, whether they are coworkers, whether they are neighbors, whether they're our own family members. We walk past people who have needs and it never dawns on us and we just walk right in by them. Let me ask you this question. How many of you came in this morning and you're like, my life is just going perfect. Like, I couldn't imagine it going any better. My relationships are all cool. Finances, man, we are sitting on a nest egg. Uh, man, I can't think of anything. I mean, my life is, is so good, I can't think of a problem that I have. I'm the only one? Okay, nobody's like that because we all come in here with needs and with burdens and with cares and with weights. And that means that every person in this room is somebody that you can potentially influence in a positive way. We need to have a daily awareness of the needs around us and we need to develop an ability to see what others don't. We need to have an ability to see what others don't. And that's where Peter looked at this guy for the first time and didn't see a cripple, but saw a man. 
And how important that is to us to not just see the encasement of an individual, but to actually see what's going on there inside. When my dad passed away a, a year, year and a half ago, we, we did a, an online funeral, but my daughter spoke. And she talked about a, a story that she had of my dad when, when she was going to church when, when she was young. And she said this phrase, and, and it just stuck with me. He, um, I felt important like I was being seen. And that's what she remembered about her grandfather is that he saw me. And how many people are there in our lives and in our stories who simply need to be seen? And what a gift to just say to somebody is, hey, I am paying attention to you. Peter said, look at me, but Peter was looking at this guy, probably the first one who'd ever looked at him with anything more than just a cursory, eh, well, here, I feel sorry for you, buddy. But to somebody look at him and say, hey, you have worth, and we need to develop that ability to see in others what other people don't see, and then we need to make adjustments to our agenda as necessary. They eventually made it to the temple to pray, but they stopped. And maybe they were late to the service. I don't know how it worked. But it's like, you know what? That's not the most important thing in my life right now. My most important thing in my life right now is to help this person right here. And if you're going to help people and if you're going to influence people, let me just tell you, it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to mess with your schedule. It's going to mess with your bank book. It's going to mess with your priorities. It's going to mess with a whole bunch of different things. But that's what's necessary if we're going to have influence. And this is all part of expanding our territory and saying, okay, who's out there in my world who has need? Who's out here in this world that I could actually reach out to and touch and make a difference in their life? And then the second big thing here is that we need to ex not expand our territory. Sorry, I got the wrong thing there. The second thing is we need to extend a hand. We need to extend a hand. And by this, we can assess the situation. In every situation, we have two things going on here. We have need and we have resources. And a lot of times, we look at the situation and say, oh, I don't have enough resources here. And so we step back and say, well, somebody else is going to have to cover that. I could never solve this problem. My wife and I were in uh, Grand Rapids yesterday at, at Art Prize. And you walk by people on the street who are, who are literally begging and my thought is, I don't know how I'd ever help them. And so sometimes we look at that and say, I, I don't have the resources for it. And yet the point here is we need to focus on the need more than on the resources. And so there's two types of needs. There's presenting need or felt need, and then there's the real need. So this guy had two needs. He had the need to walk again, but he had this real deeper need spiritually to know Jesus but those were the needs. And, you know, Peter really didn't have the resources to meet those needs. He was not a physician. He was not a physical therapist. He was just a disciple, follower of Christ. So we need to look at the needs, but then we need to look at the resources. And if most of us are honest, we have more resources than we realize. I love that phrase in the story. But such as I have, I give to you. If you're going to be an influencer, you're going to be a giver but you're going to give what you have. And I love this about the story is he never gave him any money. That's usually how we fix things in our world. And I, I remember my daughter coming home from Uganda and saying, hey, Dad, this, this school needs something. I'm like, well, tell me where to write the check. That's my idea of meeting needs. 
And Peter and John blow that one up and say, yeah, I don't have anything, okay? We can all relate. He says, but I do have some things I can give you. I can give you my attention. I, I can, you can be seen. I, I can give you my compassion that's more than just like feeling sorry for you. I can actually take steps there. I, I can give you my time. I can give you my focus. I can give you my encouragement. There are all kinds of things that we have in our resource toolbox that we can pull out in these moments that aren't financially related and say, I can be helpful in this moment. So we assess the situation by need, but then also by resources, and we make the commitment to use what resources we have, which leads us to this step. We act with confidence. This is crazy. Can you imagine walking up to somebody on the street and saying, well, you know what? You're crippled. I'm a follower of Jesus. Hey, why don't you stand up and walk? Anybody ever tried that? Me neither. And yet he had the confidence to do that. And the point is this, though. When we take steps to reaching into people's lives, to to extending influence, to helping, we're going to be in situations that feel uncomfortable or we feel inadequate. And it's going to make us be like, eh, I don't know about that. If I try this, is this going to work or is this all going to blow up in my face? And This could be like the biggest disaster ever. You just got to step in and say, you know what? It's not just me here. It's also God at work. And I love this, that Peter stepped in here, reached out, and he didn't just give him a hand out, he gave him a hand up. That proverbial statement literally happened in this story. And he gives them a hand up, and, he, and the guy stands up and is like, whoa. It's crazy, isn't it? He's never walked before, and now he's jumping. Most of us, we had to learn to walk. And, and he's jumping all over because of what has happened there. Here's the deal. We can't control outcomes, but we can still control our actions in, in the gifts that we give. And so we look at situations and I don't know how this is going to turn out, but we're like, you know what? I'm just going to step in here because I know this person has need. I know this person has help. And I don't know if I've got the right thing for them, but I'm the person here that's walking by them this morning at this moment. So count me in. And so we act with confidence. And we can act with confidence when we're offering Jesus love. And we can act with confidence when we're offering Jesus Christ himself. And really, that was the real need of this man was not just that he walk again, but that he be spiritually healed as well. But there's one last thought here this morning, and let me just conclude with this. It is we, we need to assess the situation, we need to act with confidence, but then we need to advance hope. And Scott mentioned this several times, and Samantha did too. Is we want to give kids a tomorrow. And, and this is what influence is. It's giving somebody a tomorrow. It's giving somebody hope. When do you think this guy lying here, crippled, who's never walked in his life, when do you think he gave up hope? I guess it's a long, long time before Peter and John ever arrived on the scene. And that they walked there and they said, look at me, and they said, right, and then we go through this whole story. And what did they give him more than anything else? Is hope. And that's something that, that when we talk about resources, this is a resource that we have. We have the resource of hope. We have the resource of, of steering somebody in a better direction. We have a resource of, of pointing somebody in a way that will work for them. We have the resource of just saying, hey, you can do this. You can make it. I believe in you. We have all of these resources that come under this big umbrella called hope. 
if we'll share them. And so all of us walk through paths in life, and as we walk through paths in life, there are people all around us that we have the potential to influence. They may be known by us already. They may be somebody that we work with. They may be somebody that lives across the street from us or two doors down. We never know the neighbor two doors down, just next door. But they have these people all around, but we're, we become intentional about it. Say, you know what? I am going to make a difference, not because I have something special, but because I know Jesus, and because Jesus' way is to win people over, not run people over, to care about people, to reach out, and to touch people. And so as we talk about this theme that we're on for the year, Life Trails, the trail of influence is an incredible trail because we walk through life, and if we'll pay attention, if we will see there are people all along us who are wounded, who are hurting, who are beaten up, who are downtrodden, and we have the opportunity to be the influence that steps into their lives and say, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. And if I can be an encouragement to you, I will be an encouragement to you. And let me point you to Jesus, too, because he's ultimately the person who can help you most. And if we'll do that, then we'll become the influence that Jesus intended us to be when he said, hey, you're going to be salt and you're going to be light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we can spend together this morning to just be confronted with this idea of influence, the idea that you put us here on this planet, not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. And so our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a couple questions as we wrap up quickly this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ and all this spiritual stuff doesn't make a whole lot of sense, it's simply this, that Jesus came to this earth for us, lived as a man, died on a cross for sins, not his own, but for ours, so that we could be forgiven and so that we could have a relationship with God, eternal life, just by putting faith and trust in Jesus Christ who rose from the dead and was the, the winner of the story. And if you've never made that decision, I'd encourage you to do that. If you'd like to talk about it, I'd love to have that conversation with you. If you've trusted Christ, though, the question in today is about influence and what kind of influence are you? And how much are you paying attention to the people in your world and getting out of that little bubble of self and into the world where we can be what Jesus asks us to be? Maybe this morning there's a face that comes to mind or a person that comes to mind or a situation that comes to mind, and you'll make that commitment to say, okay, this week I'm going to do something about it. Would you make that decision? So Heavenly Father, we commit our time to you. We're grateful for the examples that we see in your word, the stories of just regular people who do some incredible things because you help them. And so we pray for your help this week as we step out to be influences in our world. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're a little bit over this morning. If you need to slip out, you can do that. I've got just a couple announcements here. And then we're going to come back together in, in five or ten minutes um, for our annual meeting that we need to take care of. Just a few announcements of your guests. Just again, there's the QR code in the bulletin. We, if you had a, a great time this morning, we've got all kinds of other great things coming. We'd love to have you back. You can make use of that. Next Saturday is our kickball for a cause, partnering with Grayson School. And that'll be 10 o'clock out in the fields. If you want to be a part of that, even if you 
don't have a team. Ushers, you can come on up and take this offering here. We never had a chance earlier in the service. And, uh, but if you want to be part of that, that's coming up on October 2nd. Next Sunday, we have some baptisms going on. You're going to want to be here for the baptism. Um, I'm excited about this and some young people and, and a young couple uh, and uh, sharing their story a little bit through baptism. If you want to be a part, let us know. Um, looking ahead, October 17th is our parent-child dedication. If you'd like to be a part of that, please let us know on that. And then after we're done here, I'm going to dismiss us in prayer. We're going to reconvene in here in about 10 minutes. I need you to stick around. We have annual meeting. It's not going to be long. It's going to be very, very brief, but we've got some business to take care of this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? Let me dismiss us with prayer. Heavenly Father, it, it's good to be here. And it's good to open up your word and to, to hear what you have to say. And I pray that we would just be um, motivated and moved with the opportunity that we have to meet needs in our world. And I pray that you would push us out in that direction and, and encourage us with that and tap us on the shoulder sometimes and say, now, here's your chance. We need to hear that. And so we commit ourselves to you, and even the week ahead to you, as, as we take this trail of influence. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming. You're dismissed. And members of the church, come back and see us 10 to 15 minutes here.